your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Mernier. And welcome in fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman joining in as always for our latest and live edition of NAL Rebound Week number eight. Uh, crazy week in the league. Uh, three games that well, let's just say my shaking a few things up. Uh, one that definitely I think has uh, shaken up our opinions on who might be uh, up towards the top, or at least how we feel about the top echelon of the league. And uh, well, a little bit more, uh, let's just say news as we can call it that we will talk about on here because it is relating to the NAL. We'll get things started here right away. But first, let me get in with my good buddy, pal and co-host as always, Jim Mernier joining me from Jacksonville, Florida. Jim, welcome aboard as always, my man. Uh, congrats on the win. We'll discuss that as well um, in full detail, obviously. Um, how you doing? How are things? I understand you went to dinner with the Sharks tonight. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I, every Tuesday we have a get together, Alan Wing Company here in town. Uh, the Sharks do a little show called Sharks Bites. I get to hang out with two of probably the coolest dudes with the Jackson Sharks, David Gilbert and Justin Renfro. You know, just you know, talk football and other stuff. So yeah, it was a good evening. Uh, also, a lot of Shark fans are there, especially Bob, who's in the chat. Uh, so, yeah, it's in intriguing. And today I got a chance to meet Marvin Ross and uh, Marco Roscoe. Uh, so yeah, it was a good a good time, good food, uh, good beer. I didn't drink this time. I just drank sweet tea, and the sweet tea was sweeter than McDonald's. Uh, when you take, you know, McDonald's sweet tea, ladies and gentlemen, when you hit it, you're like, ooh, that's strong. This one was stronger, but it was a good time. And I'm here today and uh, basically uh, – Get to talk week eight. We're here live, so anybody out there, uh, you know the drill. Uh, we do take questions from people. Um, just not you, Bob. <laughs> He's not here just blowing up the chat. But uh, you have any questions about the games, anything, let us know. Uh, we do. We'll be breaking down all three games today. Uh, we'll be talking of our opinions of what happened this past week. Uh, and preview possibly what's coming up on rebound. Uh, as you know, the game of the week this week coming up week nine is Jacksonville traveling to West Texas to take on the West Texas Warbirds. So we will have a West Texas Warbird player, maybe a kid, maybe a shorts, maybe a Lewis. Don't know. We'll find out. Just keep tuning in our, uh, our social media to find out here pretty soon. As that is our game of the week, but we have three games of pre review from this week that, um, Pretty much, I, I just got to say this, Zach. You know how we tease and toy about how this is Separation Saturday or something like that? You mentioned that a few weeks might be Separation Saturday. We might be this weekend coming up. Could be Separation Weekend because all the top three teams are playing the bottom three teams. So there could be that separation in there too. So um, it, it's unique. Um it's interesting. We're halfway through the season. We're literally, 
as of this show, to, we're halfway through the year. So standings are going to be crucial. It's going to be how can I phrase it? Drama, entertainment, excitement. We have teams battling for positions. And of course, this past weekend's game, we could have a clear new number one possibly uh, before all the polls came on, uh, come up with the coaches and the media. So that will be coming out early, later in the week. So, yes, it, it's a great week, entertaining week, some competitive games. Um, one game that was really not what we expected, but it was still pretty entertaining watching the um, action of the National Marine League. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm talking about you're saying the top guard being changed, possibly, or at least it feels like it was a significant. It was such a significant thing that went on in terms of the top bout at the top of the NAL chain over at the Freeman Coliseum. Um, and then obviously we're talking about, I think, a bit of change of the guard in terms of how we look at some of the lower four teams, because talk about with West Texas, we'll be touching on that because that was, I think, the best one of the more surprising aspects of of saturday night was how the warbirds came to play we'll be touching on that as well and like i said we'll be diving in on some more comments and discussion from you all out there in the audience on facebook youtube you name it drop your comments on this live stream as you please including questions we'll answer them as we go so we were talking about this before the show did we want to start with talking about the games or do we want to rip a Band-Aid off? Because everyone knows it's coming anymore. At least when, it, when we're talking about, it seems like news every week out of the Capital Region. So we decided, screw it, rip the Band-Aid off, get it out of the way, because I know people are going to ask. We're mm-hmm. going to definitely talk. So go right. So I, here's here's the spiel. As you might have seen, Pete Porcelli, he is not the head coach of the Albany Empire anymore. Um, it continues a string of firings or leavings of said empire squad right now we're trying to kind of sort through the weeds as to who's really coaching this team uh reports right now are saying it's possibly maurice Leggett mm-hmm. that is being talked to be a player coach of the like with porcelli being in an advisory role at this time um also still talking about cam newton being possibly brought on if he if he gets paid 150k and is convinced to be brought on what do you what do you want to talk about first here jim i i you can tell i kind of just want to get this out of the way because it's kind of it is what it is anymore i that's the best i can put it but you still have to talk about it it how can i say uh first off i'm going to give a shout out to the albany fans out there who reached out to us on live on on the Albany stream, we had a couple of fans saying that they thanked us for saying that stick with the team of Albany, don't abandon the team. This is going to be a very hard road, hard couple of weeks, maybe the rest of the year. But sometimes you have to go through very crucial adversity to peak at the right time. Um, but. Yes, what's happened up in Albany is for me as a fan, I'm like, are you really going to do this? Are are you going to do this? What are you going to do? Um, Last two weeks, I don't care if you had Bill Belichick, Steve Spurrier, John Madden, not anybody back there uh, coaching, they weren't going to win that game. 
they they don't have the talent on this on the roster to compete with a, a Fayetteville who hit all, all cylinders this past weekend. They couldn't yeah. compete with Jacksonville, who is find who's finally found their itch. So they're you know going 100. percent There are more issues in Albany than just the coach or the owner. It's the whole organization, and it's. I've always said, always said this: to have a championship organization, it must be a championship level from the ownership to the ball boy, to the fans, to the concessions, to the parking lot. Uh, championship organizations are run and driving that, and that's how they succeed. Albany, have to admit, a lot of Albany fans may agree with me when I say this. Kind of spoiled coming in the league, winning instantly and just dominating. Then you hit this patch, and now it's whatever thing happened, how, what side you fall on with the, the AB situation. Um, it hurts because you were a championship team. You were a championship favor entering the year. And now you're like, is there any, is there a chance that we can play for a four seed possibly? It, it's just it, the change of culture just happened. But one thing I do want to say is to the 5,827 people who showed up in that building Saturday night for their team is incredible. That's the largest crowd they've had there since the empire have returned yeah. to MVP. So to the fans of Albany, keep doing what you're doing. Eventually your team will get back on track. Maybe not this year, probably next year, get back on track to winning ways. Just don't abandon the team. That's all I'm saying. Don't start pointing fingers because right now when when you're on a losing streak, five-game losing streak, that is, or any type of losing streak, depending on what organization it is, if it's the Yankees, if it's the Lakers, if it's the Miami Heat, or it's the Boston Celtics, or it's the Dodgers, or crap, the Ohio State Buckeyes. When losing streaks happen, the finger gets pointed to one individual when, honestly, it has to be pointed to multiple individuals. That's why I'm saying to the fans of Albany, he's like, you're going through a par patch, and the person that gets most of the blame is the person that's in charge or supposedly in charge or whatever. It's never the whole group. But to the fans out there, give yourself a pounder back because you went to the game. You had fun. That was a loud building. We've had people – we have friends that go to those games saying it's the loudest this building's been in a while. It's, it's active. It's exciting. The players enjoyed playing big crowds. One of the reason why a lot of people come to Jacksonville to play in Jacksonville is because they know they're going to play in front of eight to 9,000 people a game. That will attract fans to the stands. And for to the fans who went to the game, if you're there, if you're on this stream right now, send us a like, send us a comment about what your experience was at the game. Not just saying, well, the game sucked, but just the overall atmosphere in the building and how different it was compared to previous uh, home games. Because that was incredible. Now the question is, is now how can they get that base and bring him back for the next home game? Because I remember, and you remember, Zach, of them packing at least 12,000, 15,000 in there in the heyday when the Empire were dominant. So I think it can be possible. Now on the field, they just they they have they have they have stuff they have you know Fabian White not White um, um, James mm-hmm. uh, Patton uh, Roland Rivers was doing well they have talented people on their st- on the roster but they're so sporadic there's so few of them on the roster you look at like teams like San Antonio Jacksonville Carolina 
they have whole sides of a ball that's filled. Like Jacksonville, the, those the the starting eight guys in Jacksonville, they're elite. The starting eight guys in San Antonio, they're elite. The starting mm-hmm. eight guys in uh, in Orlando, uh, Carolina, they're elite. Orlando, they just got Jonathan Bain. They're going to start coming back. So in Albany, it's struggling. It's harsh. You're going through a lot of you know, ups and downs and the drama. And you don't, as a fan, you don't know what to do. You want, the first thing you want to do is point fingers at people. Like it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Cause it's you, you get popcorn guy. It's your fault because you're charging me nine bucks for popcorn. No, um, it's a hard um, situation in Albany, but right now they have a good core of players. Like I mentioned last week, there's no consistency right now. You can't go to winning football games. I don't care what, league you're in if you don't show any sign of consistency and they don't not now uh last week i think the first two possessions the first three possessions they were pretty good they were going toe-to-toe with fateville then then fateville just they were just a better team more organized and they executed albany didn't execute turnovers they made a run there in the second half. Kerry Starks had a big turnover then they scored on the running touchdown there were some exciting plays there but it wasn't enough, and that's what leads to continuous loss. Like the phrase goes, don't make one loss build to two or build to three or build to four. We, we're right at that point in Albany. For Albany fans, trust me, I've been there with my other professional sport teams of long losing streak. I'm a Jaguars fan, so I'm used to losing. For Last year was just a fluke for us Jaguars. I was like, oh, we made the playoffs. Parade, fireworks. You know, we're, used to, we're not used to that. But for you guys, it's um, – Stick with your team. I'm just saying, just you, you have a good brand. You have a good fan base. They came out and support. You have a group of guys who are just new to the year in a game, learning the game itself. And problem is you're in midway through the season with constant change. There's no consistency. There's no chance for the team to gel. Um, once that happens, once you finally core guys and you get back, the Albany way will return. It's just going through a very hard patch right now. And honestly – Right now, they're they're a few more pieces away to being a competitive team. They they have talent. They just don't have enough to go toe to toe with the top three teams, or in this case, the top four teams of the National Arena League at this moment. <laughs> Sorry if I talked. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, I the, no. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. It's a lot. A lot of this comes down to the fact that you know, ownership. GM, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. they made these decisions. They changed around what they were doing. This is what is being settled in. Now, again, I I will say what you're talking. Love the fan, love the fans that were there. It was nuts. It was nuts how many people were in the audience. Just can't say that that enough. That still is wild to me. Mm-hmm. That being said, that being said, they're gonna have to build up. And again, this is kind of where I I end my point of being. I want this to have some stability. You know, I know we're talking now about Maurice Leggett possibly leading this. So that's the thing that's going to be, is going to be weird is, you know, what happens now? You know, we were joking about, I think we were joking about possibility of, you know, is this like a firing weekly type of scenario, Mm -hmm. but you know, do you fire your player for coaching? Because that's the only option left. Like at some point this had as much as it's insane. Something has to settle down. That, that's my final point on this is all. But we're if you're an Albie fan, you're along for the ride now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's it. I mean, 
Hopefully the team gets better. Uh, unfortunately, more pieces have gone because it's not just Purcelli. Ben Bennett's gone too. Yeah. And that, that's, I think, the bigger blow that, is it, that it, he's it, not going to be there. Honestly, I think it's the same as what you, I guarantee you agree with me. It's just so inconsistent that people ask like, Jim, Zach, what's going on? We don't know because we can't get a clear answer. What we know is basically what you guys see on Twitter, what uh, some of the radio guys up in Albany got that still have connections up there, which he is still – pretty reliable um but it's just so it's so hard to judge what's going on like i, I tell people especially i told a couple of guys today it's like how is it covering the uh albany situation it's like it's watching your favorite drama on tnt and every time you think it's about to you know there's no cliffhanger you get the cliffhanger at the end of the episode it's like oh well you gotta wait the next week like i gotta see what ep- next week's episode is um, cause it just, it, it, it's very unique, but uh, we did have a question. I don't think it was a, a question. It was more of like a, um, sounds like why is Jacksonville and West Texas, the game of the week. And okay. I've seen his name is Max. Um, Max, uh, the game of the week is not based on the game itself. It's not based on who the opponent is. It's based on the home team. Therefore, West Texas hasn't had a game of the week yet this season. We've been to Albany twice. We've been to Carolina twice with San Antonio twice. And uh, we had Orlando. Now we're doing West Texas. This is the first time West Texas has had a game. And we were, we're kind of required to give West Texas some love. So this was the week to do it because they are home and we get, we'll have someone from West Texas on here. The last time we had someone on here from West Texas, I think was Coach Tate in preseason. So it's been a while since we've had a representative from West Texas on the show. So that's the reason why next week's schedule, don't know who next week's schedule. I think we might go to Orlando. I think that's Orlando and Albany next week. So I think we might be in Orlando next week. So depending on how the games are, but it's based on the home team. It's not based on the overall matchup. And the comment that you just said, uh, besides that, um, grow the league. Welcome to my show. Um, what, what I've been doing for a year and a half, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reason why West Texas has it right now is because that's the, that's their, this is their time is their time to have a show. I wanted to do Carolina and Fayetteville. I was told otherwise. Um, I wanted to do the Carolina rumble part two, because I think that's going to be another good matchup. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. That matchup next week too. And also I wanted, I, if, besides from that, I wanted to do uh, Orlando and San Antonio with Jonathan Bain coming to San, uh, Orlando but I was told to give some love to West Texas. Um, so for that, that's the reason why. So if you're asking me questions about that, I ask personally, send me a DM via our Twitter or Facebook, and I'll ask, tell you what, how we go through the process. Um, but thank you for being on the show. Any questions about, uh, to the fans again, Tim Capper in the house, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a legend himself, Tim Capper. He's in the house. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, of course, we have our normal friends. You know, we've got Trevor popping in. He always pops in. I think Albany defense kids in the house, too. I think I saw him pop in. Uh, Big Boy Sports, what's going on, brother? Welcome. Uh, a guy, uh, Tom, there we go. There were, we got the original people here. That's what I'm talking about. Got the original fans. Um, and, of course, I, I I have to agree with Skyler right now. Yeah, dang good to be it right now. 
it's good when we're winning, but it, last year was kind of difficult. But anyways, but yeah, um, again, send your and of course, uh, Bob. Uh, he's a good buddy of mine. He runs a Facebook page for the Jackson Sharks and, and our, our, our usual Discord friend, uh, Jordan. I remember we Discord. We, uh, it's active. I think the link is in our description right now. Join the uh, join the cast, join the crew, um, and be awesome. Uh, be awesome for you guys to join. It's a good community. We we have fun uh, talking about rain football. Other stuff that pops up sometimes. Uh, we're active in the NFL season two, so we're not just a six month ordeal of Discord. But anyways, um, but for anyways, or not for anyways, for anyways, for anyways. <laughs> Oh, that's what happens. It's it's nine thirty in the East Coast, eight thirty Central. Um, so to what should you should we start with? Do we want to go to Orlando to cover the game, or you just want to stay up in Albany and talk about the football game itself? Uh, you know what? Let's let's push on. Let's change a pace here. Let's go to Orlando. Talk about uh, I would say a very pleasant surprise. Um, out of there, just uh, because of a player I was hyped about going in. Uh, mm-hmm. which is Mitch kid, or you can call him Mitch the kid. You know, if you want to have a, that nickname, I know it's not the gunslingers he's on, so it doesn't fit as well, but still Mitch was slinging it mm-hmm. over there in Amway. Uh, looked pretty good. Again, this is a guy that he'd already had some sort of already had some pseudo Reno experience in the FCF. Um, when we were talking last week, again, I was, I was super high on him and Jim was too, just cause guy does have some great film and you could see it here you know he's uh i think we were talking while we were watching this broadcast together came off as very uh kind of cool calm collected uh absolutely in touch with what he needed to do and not letting anything really phase him you know mm-hmm. uh taking what the defense was giving him uh dude was able to scramble when needed found receivers that when needed to and i mean really impressed you know put everything on the line and walked away they walked away from albany from albany of course my my (laughs) dumb brain walked away from orlando happens you know walked away from orlando with a victory with a real deserved victory by the way Mm -hmm. defense as well you gotta give props to them they stepped up when they needed them most got two key interceptions back-to-back drives Mm -hmm. against a high-powered well at least in terms of specialty players a high-powered orlando offense that had a lot of ways of burning you they were able to get things to go their way, force Joseph Hess into two poor interceptions that were basically the nail in the coffin. So mm-hmm. here you are, two and four West Texas squad looks completely different. And this is Mitch's only second week with the team. Correct. They just got Donovan Raspberry in a trade last week, so he's going to hopefully get more involved. They got Jalen Childress getting more involved, a scrappy defense with Savante Davenport and Trayvon Shorts, both who were playmakers very much so in this game, along with. Cornelius Lewis, by the way, who did catch a TD pass. I was going to say, why receiver Cornelius Lewis? Yeah, I was going to say, tight end Cornelius yeah. Lewis. A boy has hands. Uh, it's nice seeing C. Lou uh, get the ball. That's one thing uh, I've really put a smile on my face about this game. Uh, the guy's been through a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, talking to him here when he was uh, here a couple of weeks ago, and now and then seeing him go to West Texas and it feels like he's more free, he's more open. Uh, it's pretty good. But one thing I got to say, Mitch Kidd, welcome to the league. Mitch Kidd, hello. hello. What a freaking game that kid did. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, what, a, what a game the Mitch Kidd had uh, against Orlando. Orlando cannot figure them out. And and it's amazing. He steps in and West Texas' offense is just night and day compared to a couple weeks ago. Also, your boy, Trayvon Shorts, 
uh, he's out there looking like the freaking uh, – Mark Henry, not Mark Henry, uh, Derek Henry, Mark Henry, WWE. <laughs> yeah. That's a different league. Uh, it's wrestling. Uh, look, he's out oh, there he looking looked, like, a, like King Henry. Like Henry. Uh, big time runs, uh, playing, of course, he's Jack. And this play right here, if you're seeing on YouTube, uh, YouTube right now, that right there, when Rob Jones hit Mitch Kidd and he got back in his face, that told me everything about Mitch Kidd. West Texas is not going to be an easy out. They're going to be a scrappy team now from here on out. And right now at 2-1-4, they're a game behind uh, Fayetteville from the four. They have the squad. They have a team, and they have players on that team that are going to get them in positions to win. Of course, we have sure hands, uh, C. Lou right there receiving the touchdown. Um, that made this, this game right here, like this week, uh, West Texas is home against Jacksonville, and Mitch Kidd, personally for me, can keep them in the game because mm-hmm. of his ability. He was very cool. He was very collective. He didn't make dumb mistakes. When guys weren't open, he was doing checkdowns. It looked like the game already clicked for him, and it was his first game in in AL. But he did play FCS, so he has experience with the 50-yard field. So it's not this is not new to him. But also what is good what's good about this game is that West Texas went on the road and played Orlando and Orlando, a team that hasn't been home. For seven weeks, and still to this point, has not won a home game this season. So no, they have not. That's a very you, good point. <laughs> that's a, that, that tells you what West Texas has done in the few weeks. They were competitive a couple weeks ago against uh, San Antonio, had a chance to win the game against San Antonio, and then they go on the road to Orlando. And I think, I think Orlando took a lead maybe one time in that game, and but. West Texas was leading the whole entire game from beginning to end, most most entire game. That was just, you know, props to Coach Tate. I don't know what, what the game plan was, but I do know one thing. Teams usually go how the quarterback goes. And you and see, that again, that play where he, Rob Jones hits Mitch Kidd in the end zone. He gets in Rob Jones' face and look all the big boys, the offense linemen. They love seeing that. They love that seeing that fine spear from the quarterback. If they see that, they'll, they'll surround that kid. And, of course, West Texas made the plays that they needed to make to win the game. Joseph Hess, unfortunately, made plays made plays during the game. But when he needed to be that lockdown, that on-point quarterback, that shut-it-down type of quarterback, like, let's end this game and win the game, he didn't. He threw three uh, crucial interceptions and one of them at the end of the game that really solidified the victory for West Texas. So, big-time win by West Texas. Uh, also, in, in this game that I thought was intriguing is that Darius Prince is still Darius Prince. He's arrived again. And now I'm just very intrigued how that connection with Jonathan Bain and Darius Prince is going to be because we already know what Jonathan Bain is, but we've never seen these two guys play together at the same time on the same team. That will be something for you Orlando fans to be looking at, go, I wonder how this is going to be. Can it come together this weekend against San Antonio? It could. Just know that Bain, from who I've talked to, last um, when he was uh, with Albany here in Jacksonville, the guy has some revenge on his mind. So he, you're going to get a quarterback that's going to be focused for next week. But this week, hats off to West Texas. Mitch Kidd, welcome. Um, Matt, you, you balled out. You, you willed the West Texas Warbirds to a victory. And when I see offensive linemen – 
you know, get your back after what you did in that end zone. That told me everything about the culture in West Texas right now. Uh, they are going to be a scrappy team. They're going to be a team that's going to be a hard out. And they may be a team that you look at week 17 go, they're still there. Uh, they're right there hanging in for that four seed. And I think they – I like their quarterback. I, I watched some highlights of him at FCF, I think, last year. I'm like, he has some talent. But I NAL and the FCF, that's two different leagues, two different styles of game. Right. And he comes in this game and it's just bang, 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 bang. I'm like, they got the, they got a guy down there in Odessa. So – it's gonna be like it's gonna be cool watching his career from here on out, especially here in NAL and in West Texas. Um, it, it's for me, I enjoyed watching this game, and I watched it the second time after. I'm like, this kid has the skills. He he is really talented. I'm really looking forward to what he brings to uh, San Antonio or excuse me, uh, West Texas from here on out. Yeah, good addition, very much so. Um, and it's pan panned out um west texas i think you are it's on the right path and again they just this is about just getting in at this point i, I think you're you're not chasing any of the other three in my opinion um mm -hmm. you are more trying to be i think the most stable to if you can overtake fayetteville now if you're orlando like i know you got reinforcements coming up this week because jonathan bain will be reinforcements but you can't have too many slip-ups anymore uh, that, that, that's the thing and i know that they will, they're the gunslingers next week are, you know, looked a little down and out against Jacksonville. That's not to say that they, they'll be this way the entire time, mm -hmm. but you do have to write the ship sooner rather than later is the deal. So, and that, that's the deal. You got to get a win. You know, you got to stabilize the thing. Cause you've lost two games that at least one of them, I will say that I think most people thought even with Joseph Hess being on and off. You know, we looked at that as a win for Orlando, get things right at home, good crowd. Um, and now you're down behind the eight ball once again. Got to get something back on the on the scoreboard here. That's going to be crucial. But at least there is a silver lining on the horizon mm -hmm. as well. I do like all the comments about Mitch about Mitch Kidd, and I think a lot of people mm -hmm. now watching the, these weeks are going to be on notice about him. But that that's the bigger story to me. Mitch Kidd coming out, playing hard. West Texas coming out and saying, you know, you know what, we're going into a hostile environment in Orlando in terms of massive, in terms of large arena crowd, loud arena crowd, and there you go. And it's definitely something that you can keep on focusing on if you're West Texas moving forward. And they got a lot of good talent on there too, that they've done via trades or free agency, that project car starting to look like closer to the finished product. Mm -hmm. It's getting better as we've talked about. It's getting better. Now, here's a question for you. Uh, we, we've talked, we've, we, me and you were on the call. We were watching the game together and we both watched Fayetteville and West Texas. And we can basically make an assumption based on current standings. Those would be the two teams possibly throwing Orlando in there if they get on track, maybe Albany. But right now, between West Texas and Fayetteville, if you had to pick a four seed right now, disregard the record right now. Like, once, three, and three, disregard it. It's just their two styles, how they're playing right now. In your mindset, who is that for if the playoffs started today? Ah. Uh... If I'm if, if there's no records involved, I can just say screw it. I think this is the better the mm -hmm. four that'll be in the four. Hmm. I if West Texas keeps progressing the way they do, if I see this, if I see them build on this effort like I did this last week, 
I have a, I have, I would maybe go with them slightly. But the thing is, it's Fayetteville has the potential to to me be that to be that four right out of the gate. They also have a very veteran roster. Mm-hmm. It's just my main issue to talk about with Fayetteville, and we can actually bring this up. A great segue into this game mm-hmm. is: can you clean up? The little things, you know, they're very talented, but there are mistakes that let teams back in games. There are mistakes that they let themselves get out of games. I mean, we we've talked about it, the top three teams they played this year. They have played them close, and then it comes to one point in the second half, and they just don't play clean. And that's a, that's the deal. You know, West Texas, I thought, yeah, there were maybe one or two slip ups, but it's a it looks like a bigger turnaround. That's the thing. And like you can add that, you can add the great defensive effort against you know San Antonio last week so you know there's there's that too they they were close enough i mean imagine if mitch was in against san antonio i mean for real for a second imagine if mitch was starting they would have beat against san antonio Antonio. they would have beaten san antonio i mean you can you can feasibly believe that because some some gunslinger fans might not like that but that i mean is that possible think about it they needed a two-point they needed a two-point conversion to be a a no good two-point conversion for west texas to win that game like I've talked, we've talked to multiple San Antonio people. They even said that if West Texas had a a better quarterback, they would have lost that game because San Antonio was trying to give the game to West Texas. Now, if Michigan was there two weeks ago, or is it three? Yeah, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. it could, it, yeah, it could have been very well. West Texas could have uh, upset, them. but that's if we had that last this past game's West a uh, Mitch Kid playing that type of style. And saying, but again, you have to play the game. You can do assumptions, but yeah. Um, for you, I still side with uh, I side with Fayetteville as the four right now. But right now, I'm lo- I'm loving what West Texas is doing. They have improved, like we've mentioned before. They are this year's version of the San Antonio Gunslingers. Right, hard hard start. They finally get their win, and then they start, you know, getting their groove. Do I think? Fayetteville is a shoe in four right now? No, because I think Fayetteville, I think uh, West Texas and Orlando are going to be on their backs the whole entire season. Like mm-hmm. they're that the for the new listeners of our show, if you hear me say "Lords of the Muck," that's the four seed. You 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 are Lords of the Muck when you win the four seed, and your ward is the one seed uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, so right, well, but. It's it's yeah. me honestly. If West Texas keeps up, they have a massive challenge this week against Jacksonville, who's basically have been flexing their muscles the last couple of weeks. They're the number one offense in the league. Um, if they can keep up with Jacksonville or contain Jacksonville, and Michigan is still making plays, then yes, I think they are that team that could jump Fayetteville for the four. But right now, I got to side with Fayetteville right now because of the overall body of work over the last seven weeks or last eight weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong in saying that I, I can't dissuade that, you know, obviously it's a full season. It's one game. One game doesn't mean everything. Um, I just like the progress. And, and again, I, Fayetteville definitely has it. It's, it, it all comes down to cleanup and might as well jump right in. Talk about that game that I hinted at in terms of cleanup. Cause be honest with you second. So second half, you know, they go into halftime 20 to seven up and I'm going, all right, this is about what we were expecting. And, you know, and as Tim Capper points out, as we always do, Rakeem Cato, returning quarterback. That is huge. Last week, we said on this show, you know, depending on if he was an injury issue or not, you know, which he looked fine for a drive, 
he needs to be in. He is the best quarterback on that roster. If he's available, you play him. If he wants to play, you play him. He's your guy. Even if there are, even if there are slip-ups or two once in a while, he is your guy. There is no question about it. But I'll be saying this. There was a point, second half of this game, where two turnovers flipped the script. Or really, you have one possession, a really great play by a veteran, Maurice Leggett, who soon might be coach player Maurice Leggett in Albany. And they flipped the script, score a touchdown with Kerry Starks. And we're going, whoa, wait a minute. You know, and you can tell Kendrick Ings is getting upset and some veterans like this should not be happening. And they, they turned the gas on and they took care of business. But that's the type of stuff when I watch Fayetteville, I'm like, they definitely can play better than some of the lower tier opponents in the NAL. But if West Texas is getting better and they're cleaning their act up, that's where I'm wondering what, if West Texas catches up and they're playing and clean, who plays a cleaner game? Because Fayetteville to me, you know, there's maybe been, I would say, Two of their games this year, I'd say, have been pretty clean. The rest of them, there's been a few mistakes where it's like, yeah, why is this as close as it is? And then it, you know, maybe goes their way, or they miss opportunities to take advantage of the big dogs in the NAL that they have had. And so this one, like I said, that second half out of the half, that's what I reacted in a way. But after that, it, it was as expected. Um, I did find it fascinating, by the way, in terms of Albany discussion. And this is, it's, no matter who's coaching, this is who's going to be affected right now is, you know, Roland Rivers, who had been going under shotgun two weeks ago when he started, they put him under center. And when they did that, my first thought, and I think really our thoughts were, uh, well, wait a minute, is he, is he ready for that? Like he, he hasn't been doing, he hasn't been doing under center snaps or like backdrops on the regular. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing a few passes where he did, but like you saw a lot in this game, he'd do backdrops. And by the time he's in his backdrop, you're getting like one guy off the edge. You're getting the the Mac up the middle about to clobber him. And, you know, if that two weeks ago in that in the first his first contest, he could avoid that because he had the shotgun to deal with. He had a little more time where it comes right back to him. He can adjust this time. His brain has to run a million miles an hour and he still isn't ready. You know, he isn't ready. He, You could tell he was he was speeding things up or maybe not speeding him up enough at times when he got back and drop back to pass. And he's not used to that. I, no. I do wonder with Ben Bennett gone and Porcelli Moore as an advisor moving forward from the sounds of it and Leggett coaching, which again, a lot of questions there mm-hmm. <laughs> for designs and things like that. Do you put, I mean, does Rivers do shotgun? I, I think he, it's almost better for him like to go back and do that because it, it, even with the inefficiencies, I felt like that was your best shot was to basically say, okay, screw taking the steps, just get the ball and just get a little, that little more, I think like second to half a second time so you can think. Because it almost is like too much time thinking about, okay, do my three steps. Now look, when it's, no, 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 mm-hmm. you need to be simultaneously doing this. You can't be thinking about one thing than the other. Because by the time you're thinking about what's downfield, you're getting hit. You might be a big boy, but you're going to get hit quite quickly. <laughs> the The... Well, how the players say in, in the arena game, like you think you have so much wide open spaces and it just comes crashing into you so quickly because it's such a fast game. Um, one thing I liked about this game, as you see in the highlights, uh, is Cato being precise, being accurate, throwing the ball on the money on a lot of his passes. Uh, six different players scored for Fayetteville this game. 
of course, three from the man himself, Kendrick Ings. Uh, Kate, uh, of course, he was passing and he did a couple of uh, uh, running. Uh, Russell, Devontae Baker showed up. Uh, but Kendrick Ings is the man on the mission, 89 yards, three touchdowns. He had a 41-yard bomb to start the game uh, for the Fayetteville Mustangs that really solidified uh, their offensive prowess in this game. Also, you got to give love to the uh, defense itself, too, as both Devontae Baker and uh, I think Dominic Bridges uh, both got interceptions that were crucial in this game after uh, after Albany got some turnovers that were um, – that you know, I think it was 21, 20 to 21, I think was the score where stars got a touchdown. Then the next possession, Fayetteville scores, they get Dominic Bridges interception that really set the tone uh, for the second half of the game. And one thing I have to you know, admit in this game is we, we critiqued and we went after Fayetteville about how their O-line struggled against teams like San Antonio, Carolina, and Jacksonville. They, had no issues with Albany. They were controlling the line scrimmage. They were having their own way. Cade was having their, his own time in the backfield. Of course, Arena, you're not going to have, you know, six minutes back there. It's, you know, about four or five seconds, but that's enough time uh, to be pretty lethal uh, for whoever's back there. Uh, and Albany's side of things, it, how can I mention about Albany? Uh, Roland Rivers was okay. The interceptions still get, but one thing I, I look at the sp- uh, passing stats for a quarterback. And if you have an arena football quarterback that's thrown under 100 yards in the game, you're not going to win games, especially in um, in the arena football. Also, Fabian Guerra, 114 yards returning. That's awesome. That he was that's- super helpful with at least giving any chance mm-hmm. for that he- offense to generate a drive. Uh, he kept that is doing, massive bonus. He kept uh, flipping the um, the field and their advantage. Also, for players like uh, I think Daquan Patton got an interception. I think, and I want to say Isaac James. I think had two, or it could be Daquan had two and Isaac had one. But Albany's defense kept them in this game as much as they as they can. But Fayetteville's offense just kept getting the crucial big third down play to extend the drives. And then, you know, Ings opening the end zone. Baker opening the end zone. Trey Long opening the end zone. Like, Cato recovered from his injury and was pretty lethal. My opinion, I, I think people may agree with me in the chat. Some of you don't. Um, it's okay. They go as far as Cato. If Cato having, is having a good game, Fayetteville will ride Cato as far as Cato can take him. If Cato's not having his good game, Fayetteville is very vulnerable against Jacksonville, against Carolina. We've we've seen against Jacksonville, Carolina, and San Antonio how those three teams can contain uh, Fayetteville. But when Fayetteville is on, on the money, it's because Cato and Kendrick Ings, Trey Long, James Summers – they're hitting all cylinders. And in this game in Albany, they did just that. They knew they were going to go in there with a lot of speculation about a player to, to play. Uh, we've talked to players from Fayetteville. They were ready to have that chance to play against um, AB. They didn't, but they went out there. They showed out. 
and they got the win. They got what they needed to do. They went up there for a business trip and they got the win. They're three and three, and right now they're the four seed. So I think they're doing pretty well. So again, no, I mean they're doing. Look, same thing we've been reiterating. This is an expansion team that's done a great job yes. in terms of bringing in veteran quality talent. Three and three is a perfect spot. Sadly, they can't get a home win yet. Hopefully, that for them changes sooner rather than later. And you know, fan base has been slowly getting up and up. You know, we saw that they have, as we talked, more ownership involved now. I mean, it's been going up and up for them. You know, mm-hmm. it was a slow start for some aspects, but they have been building. You know, it's good. Um, and I think this team, like I said, they have a winning talent. They have guys that have done a lot in the NAL or the AFL. You know, they just need to play. When it comes to games, you know, more consistently, they just need to make sure that, you know, really good teams play lights out. And I mean, to the extent of like, you don't let teams like an Albany with this caliber get back with it, get two score swings on you. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that was my point. You know, I, I think that right now we're more talking about them as like a fight for the fourth seed, which is why we referenced them with West Texas, because West Texas came out of nowhere this weekend mm-hmm. and made their statement and said, hey, we're we're right behind you you know so thing is you can't slip up too often you know got you got to maintain your spot and you got to get better enough to where in the playoffs you can get that Mm -hmm. one lucky game to get your then next shot and they have it they have the pieces like we talk and people know in this chat you know we've seen several right Cato is the guy you know they have like you said the guys to do it defensively they have guys that can do it it just comes down to can you get a full season down to where you keep building and you were able to get competitive with the top three that are making mm-hmm. their mark. But I think that's the main thing you take away. I think it's a lot more about Fayetteville, Albany coming in. Like we expected. It's a lot of just, it's a lot of just blah anymore, you know, rebuilding roster, hopefully a consistent coach that can stay more than a week and other items. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all we can say. So, but Fayetteville, congrats. You're three and three. And that leaves us off with the game of the week to talk about over in Freeman Coliseum that really, man, it got out of hand kind of early. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it did not feel like this were the, at least I will say by the end of the day, you probably didn't feel like these were the top two teams in the league. You probably felt like Jacksonville was the top team in the league mm-hmm. um, in all aspects. You, you probably had a few questions about, San Antonio, but I think a lot of those come from, to me, an increasing concern with the interceptions with Arvell Nelson. And again, we usually talk about like he's due for maybe one a game. Mm -hmm. Usually you don't see many that he throws multi-interception games, but you throw three in the first half. Yeah. We got to talk because that's a big red flag right there. If you're playing, you're playing Jacksonville and I mean, you throw three against Jacksonville. I know they've come back from two score deficits in this year, mm-hmm. but th- this is, that's not the way to do it. Um, not against the are not against what I will, I will say is the best offense in this league right now that you, you are basically sinking yourself. They got, half. I think my stats are wrong. Um, but Ralph junk uh, Junkins, not Jink. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Junkins announced uh, that's the official tenants of the last of this game, 2,434. Um, yeah, solid crowd on hand in Freeman. Crowd. So, uh, one thing I've noticed about this game is 
you turn the football over. I mentioned it before in the NAL game day last week that Jacksonville leads the National Arena League in points off turnovers. You give Jacksonville an extra possession off of turnovers, they're going to score. They were plus 21 points in turnovers for touchdowns against San Antonio. I don't care if you're if you're San Antonio or if you're Orlando or Fayetteville, Jacksonville Jaguars, the New England Patriots, you turn the ball over three times in a football game and the opponent scores 21 points off of those turnovers, you're not going to win that game. You might in some in some freak of nature, but in the arena game, you gave up 21 points. Jacksonville put the foot on the pedal and they just floored it. They are like, we are the better team. We know we're the better team and we're going to prove it. The, I have mentioned, I think in our chat where I said something in the YouTube stream that San Antonio is having a hard time containing Jacksonville's front five. Like Gilbert was all day in the backfield. Shakai was all day in the backfield. Justin Renfro was throwing people around like rag dolls. There's a play in the game where Justin Renfro blew someone up for 15, 20 yards. I don't know who it was. Uh, Jacksonville's front line, their line, their front five were completely dominating the game. They took away Arvell Nelson's deep ball. Arvell loves the deep ball. You did not see one deep ball get completed in, in the game. He had to go nickel and dime down the field. And when you go down the field, nickel and dime, and you get within 10 yards of the end zone, the field gets very small. And when you saw a lot of the interceptions that Arvell threw uh, in the game, they were floaters. They were too triple coverage or double coverage or the receiver ran the wrong route. And he just was very inconsistent. There's a play at the end of the half where Jabari Gorman picked it off. Oh, matter of fact, there it is right there on the screen. Yeah, you're uh, talking the tip, the tip drill. Tip he tipped drill. himself. Uh, he caught it. He didn't get touched. He ran it all the way back in the end zone. They called it the end of the half, but uh, I don't know what happened. But Gibson did tell me today that that was that should have been reviewed and that should have been a pick six. And uh, I, I agree. He, he didn't get touched into the wall. He got up on his own volition. No, no receiver was in the area to. It, tackle him it, it didn't get know. reviewed so he was like we got the ball at the start of the first half a second half we're just gonna go and fin- we we'll go out there and execute the second half and go out there um the thing is about jacksonville and then ralph brings up a good point uh it's not just giving up 21 points is 18 threes interceptions yeah in the jacks end zone it's correct like you're you're stealing jacksonville was just stealing away drives right when San Antonio was going to capitalize and score. That's what you like to call ripping someone's heart out. When like, oh, we're about to, you know, nail it, get in, score, score, and get closer in the game. Also for San Antonio, they can couldn't, the entire game, contain the Nova to Cam connection. No, Sam Castronova uh, and Cameron Solomon – were just torching San Antonio the whole entire game. They had no answer for that combo. And when they did, Tamori and Terry was there. And when they slowed it down, Tamori and Terry, there's uh, Sam Castronova running for a 15-yard, 16, 20-yard touchdown. They had no answer for what Jackson was throwing at them. And it's not like we, we've had – we've talked to people on Facebook and Twitter, and we've had people on Discord – saying that San Antonio has been really fighting fire with fire over the last couple of weeks and eventually is going to get burned. 
Um, they didn't fight with fire or fire this week. They just didn't, they just forgot to light the torch. Um, Jacksonville are, are, in there. Are you meaning, are, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. You mean playing with fire? Yeah, playing with fire, yeah. Sorry. Okay, because I was like, I mean, yeah, Life. if you want to fight turnover, turnover, that works too, but yeah. <laughs> just want to make um, sure I'm on the same page. But, but yeah, San Antonio forgot to bring the torch. Uh, and Jackson was like, all right, we're, we're just going. Jacksonville, and a lot of people was like, oh, what, what happened at the game? Like, I had Ralph giving me updates. I had the minister giving me updates of the score. Uh, Marco Roscoe hit the deuce to start off the game. San Antonio went down, scored a touchdown, didn't get an extra point. Then Jacksonville got his touchdown, and then it was, you know, off to the races after that. Um, Jacksonville in this game, how you win football games, turnovers, execution, no dumb penalties. All three of those phases worked in the favor of Jacksonville. They've done in the last couple of weeks. They've done all three of those and it's helped them. San Antonio, the last two weeks, their offense, like their offense has not been what we, it's kind of looked like it's struggling some. They can't really get back to what we saw them earlier in the year. They, they were struggling against West Texas. Jacksonville defense basically told, like, basically said, Arvell, you're not going to beat us deep. You're going to have to nickel and dimes all the way down the field. And Arvell couldn't do that. Jacksonville just had a better game plan. And also the best receiver in the league, based on stats, Cam Solomon, went out and just took over the game. And I'll be, I won't be surprised if he's not the offensive player of the year, a week this week. Uh, guy went off or Sam. Jacksonville came there. They had a mission. Their goal was to get the tiebreaker. And sure enough, they did. And they got the big-time win. Now for Jacksonville, can they show consistency, then go out west to take on a West Texas team that looks like it's getting much – is improving each and every week, so that will be a challenge. Um, but for San Antonio, for the San Antonio fans, I see a lot of fans – you lost. A loss is a loss. I see a lot of fans posting stuff on Facebook about uh, Shark – you know, doing the guns down. And I see a lot of fans saying, oh, we're still first place in, in the standings. And like uh, people still have to come after us. But, I, you know, you know, reviewing the game plan, reviewing the game film, I was like, let me go find something that will like symbolize what San Antonio sounds right now. Um, and I found a clip. It's kind of funny to make you guys laugh. I, um, this is not an insult. This is just something that I thought was pretty funny about when you go on NAL fan pages and see a lot of the fans and a lot of players um, from San Antonio uh, do after they lost to Jacksonville, this is what I imagine from the Facebook pages. Sorry, that's what I just imagined. Um, but San Antonio fan, it's oh, one God. game. I understand it's it's one game. Jacksonville had a better game plan. Jacksonville felt like you guys escaped Jacksonville with the win. You didn't beat them. You escaped with the win, and they came into well, San Antonio. I mean, this, this certainly was ideal revenge, if you want to yes, put it, it that was. way. It um, was. It was. On the road. We were previewing this game like it's supposed to be a one-possession game. Me and you – and a couple of people from San Antonio were like, just shell shocked. Like in the second quarter, was like, are we are we watching the same? Where where did this come from? Like we thought this was going to be last possession, whoever had the ball last, and it wasn't. It was a comfortable win by Jacksonville. Something that I didn't predict, and something you didn't predict. That was just how prepared this team is. And also, you mentioned it over the last couple of weeks. 
Sam Castronova coming from Albany to Jacksonville. This offense has been on fire since he's arrived. Uh, hasn't really made any mistakes. Castronova is playing no. almost near perfect as a quarterback right now. And the receivers and Jacksonville's just hitting on all cylinders. Problem is, it's also in the middle of the year, so stuff can't happen from here into the postseason. But when people ask, like you even mentioned in the pre-show, like, is there a competition for who's still the number one team in, in the NAL right now? Yeah, Jacksonville might have two losses, but they prove that they could be right now the team to beat in the National Arena League just based on this last week's performance. Now, Carolina has something to say because I know the one-man band, Zach Brown's in our chat. I've seen him. I know he's going to say something. Carolina has a squad, too, so they've been you know chilling for their bye week. Uh, and we still haven't had that matchup yet between Jackson and Carolina. We'll eventually have that. But this game for San Antonio, for me, I was just like, uh, okay, it's only a bad drive. Okay, it's only another bad drive. San Antonio's going to get it back together. This is going to be an entertaining second half. Fourth quarter is going to be, you know, one or two possessions. A key turnover is going to switch the, the narrative. It wasn't. Jacksonville went in there and just dominated the game from beginning to end defensively special teams when the Roscoe's giving you an extra possession based on three deuces in the Rouge, like right there, there's that's seven points. That's a seven. That's a, that's a touchdown. Um, Jackson went there with a game plan and basically um, from a person that's, you know, observed from the back seat, Jackson was like, they've been narrowly escaping. Let's give them a challenge and see what happens. And let's try and steal a win on the road. They went in there. They didn't steal a road. They stole the keys of the house, saying they's like they own that building. Like that's how it felt like. Jackson went in there, did their thing. So thank you. We'll take the keys. Uh, make sure you lock it up, and we'll take the keys back to Jackson. That's basically what happened. It, it was a one-sided affair in this game. Now I know San Antonio. A lot of San Antonio players might be listening to this. I know you guys are going to bounce back, and you guys are going to perform well against Orlando. But I know that wasn't the best San Antonio team that played. Uh, Saturday or Sun, yeah, Saturday, no Sunday. I know that wasn't the best San Antonio team, and Jacksonville played their A plus game. That's the best I've seen Jacksonville play all year, and San Antonio did well, not. It, cer- it certainly game. is that case. Yeah, I mean, I you are not you are not incorrect in saying that. <laughs> to be frank, to be frank, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely dominating performance. Really, yeah. no stops whatsoever that the Gunslingers could get, or really any. Any, I would say, advantage mm-hmm. that was given here. It just was. It just was anything given. You had a game that you know nothing goes your way for the Gunslingers, and maybe one that has them kind of sit there and kind of say, "Okay, we got away with a few close scrapes. Let's reevaluate a few things." Uh, you know. Also, I like to want to break some some breaking news. This is legit breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, via one of our colleagues, the Smoking Guns Podcast, uh, veteran quarterback Robert Kent has signed with the San Antonio Gunslinger as a backup to Arvell Nelson. So now what I didn't realize is that Arvell is the only quarterback. I didn't know they had, didn't have a backup. I thought they did. I thought they No, no, they, they have not had a backup. Uh, they've had Arvell just as the lone QB since he was signed. I mean, Bain was sitting, was away from the team, but mm-hmm. they never got a, tr- a true backup to Arvell. I'm fascinated by this move. Um, because, I mean, Kent does kind of come off as like a coach. My thing is, though, I almost feel like this is a security policy for them. Because 
I mean, Kent was on another level towards the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that, if this is just the sake of saying, look, Arvell, we're going to roll with you. But if thing, if we keep seeing the turnovers, cause that's the thing. I mean, Arvell's very much a dynamic QB, the turnovers though, that's the thing that's going to bite you. That is yeah. a regular consistent thing. Kent was throwing a few of those early on, but you saw later in the year, he was automatic. You know, even even with him getting up in his in the age that he had. So I do wonder if you see some stuff go a certain way. How, is there a leash? That's my question. Do I don't you think, think I don't Nelson think there's a leash? A, no, I don't think there's a I think there uh Robert Kent's more like a safety blanket. You're bringing the quarterback that has experience, who's been with the organization, who's basically helped them come from where they are from last year. So just in case if Arville, let's say, goes down with an injury. Uh, you have someone that knows the offense, knows the players. He's because Robert Kent was thrown to Philip Barnett, was thrown to Pierre Turner, was thrown to Kyler Rashad. He was thrown to the same guys last year, so you have that chemistry already. So I don't think it's he's there to be a replacement. I think it's more of a he's there to be the safety blanket, probably because you know Arvell is a vet. He's been there. He's done that. But Robert Kent, I, he just he's just one with that community, one with that organization. I think he's more of that coaching role style of player and someone that, you know, I I don't I don't think people or players, this might be it could be a cliche, but a lot of players will when they get off the field talk to the same position player that's on their team and they go over like what did you see from the sideline, what you see this it's just like the chemistry, like having another set of eyes that knows that position might help Arvell, um, especially like especially against teams like Jacksonville or Carolina. Those extra eyes may help him, um, but I don't. It, I think it's more of a coaching role and the safety blanket just in case if something happened to Arvell, like if he got hurt. But Arvell's not injured; he's healthy. Um, but yeah, I think the turnovers are an issue for uh, uh, San Antonio. They struggled. Uh, this, that was. I think I told one of the guys on on the call the other day that this is the worst I've seen San Antonio play probably since maybe week two last year against uh, Columbus, where they couldn't move the ball at all and they barely they barely lost the, the Columbus team, but Columbus was going through issues there last year. But it was a uh, it was more of they came out flat. Jacksonville came out with a mission and Jacksonville did what they wanted to do. And now for San Antonio fans and for the people who uh, watch our show, San Antonio is first place. They are five and one. They still have a lead over Carolina, but the, the gap in between those teams is now a game. We're a game behind San Antonio. Jacksonville's a game behind San Antonio. Uh, Carolina is a half a game behind San Antonio. So the room for error is slim and right now we were only week nine jack um san antonio has the advantage over carolina at the moment they don't have the advantage over jacksonville they tie jackson with the season in jacksonville has the tiebreaker due to point differential so that's crucial right there mm -hmm. um but for san antonio one good thing about football 24-hour rule get this out of your head Go out, get prepared. You're going to go play against a Orlando team that's still trying to find themselves. Even with the addition of Bain, they're still going to try to find themselves. 
I know San Antonio's going to prove. I know Coach Saul is going to get the boys back. I know they're going to go through film. I'm, I, I know they're going to see correct their mistakes. They're going to come out in the second half or the, the, in the second half of the season and stay toe to toe with both Jacksonville and Carolina because I think both Jacksonville and Carolina will be the two teams that are going to be threatening San Antonio uh, for the the home field advantage. And if I'm San Antonio, uh, you want to have a home playoff game. It's crucial to have a home playoff game if you can get it. If sometimes you just get to dance and see where the pins fall, go ahead. Um, but right now for San Antonio, get this loss. out. You're, you don't have to deal with Jacksonville anymore this season unless it's week 18, which is the first round of the playoffs, or the second round of the playoffs, which is the championship game. That's the only time you may face them again. Get Jacksonville out of the mindset. Right now you got full focus should be on Orlando, getting ready for a team that's very that's still trying to find themselves in Orlando. They come to you. They come to the Freeman. Pack Freeman. Get excited. There's people. So the San Antonio fans are watching this. There are a group of guys in San Antonio right now. They're working their butts off, trying to get fans in the stands, find interactive ways of getting fans in the stands because they love this game like we do, like how we cover it. I also want to give a shout-out to Ralph Jenkins uh, and uh, Philip uh, – uh, I don't want to mess up his last name. Philip from Smoking Guns Podcast. Those guys have done so much work for the San Antonio area to get the word out. Um, Ralph had a great coverage of the game. A lot yeah. of Jacksonville fans. I've got messages from Jacksonville fans that loved how he covered the game. He was balanced. He was fair. They loved how he knew all the nicknames of the players, how he knew where the Sharks uh, watch group was at, knew everything. They really appreciate it. So, Ralph, I just want to say from a Sharks fan and from my fellow Sharks fans, they really appreciated what you did. Uh, they think you're one of the best in the league. Uh, and they said, keep up the good work and keep up with the dedication of knowing the game of arena football. That's one thing about Jackson fans. I know we have the biggest fan base in the league. And we also, when we lose, we have the biggest crybabies. It goes with the territory. <laughs> uh, but just want to say, Ralph, uh, oh, man. I'm just going to say, ask any Sharks fan. They'll basically say that you're the best coverage they've listened to for a game. Um, that's a, that's a, a lot of good work for on your side of helping grow the game in San Antonio. Um, but for the, for San Antonio fans, again, really get this game out of your head. Let Jacksonville celebrate. Let them do it. Get your bulletin board material because I think that uh, the Jacksonville players did a lot of guns down on, on the field. So there's your bulletin board material. Uh, and a good thing about our sport is that you have to win a championship. There's two teams that get to a championship game. If it's San Antonio or Jacksonville get there, you got your bulletin board material. And also for me, this is what I'm going to say. We need more rivalries in sports, especially in this league. And I won't mind having the San Antonio-Jacksonville rivalry between the two. Because right now, if you look at the all-time season series between the two teams, they're 2-2. Two and two. Last year, both home teams won. This year, both road teams won. So, Rivalries are built by teams that are consistently beating each other. It's not one side affair. Um, but yeah, this past weekend to close out this weekend, um, shocker in San Antonio. Didn't expect that, but as a Sharks fan, I like to get the W. It was a good win, but I'm not one of those fans that's going to rub it in. Like, oh, we did this. Uh, no, shake your hand, GG. Uh, see you in a couple weeks, uh, hopefully in the playoffs or in the championship game. Uh, you guys move forward with Orlando and see how you guys go. Um, also, again, touch up in Albany. Um, consistency to the fans. Stay with your team. 
do not abandon them. The worst thing you can do is not show up. Don't do that. And for Fayetteville, you guys have it. You guys have a squad to get you there. Just capitalize. You did this past week. You got a massive test this week coming up against the Carolina Cobras. You're going to the Snake Pit. It's a tough place to play, especially with them with a uh, week off. Was And I think one of the best fullbacks in the game, Zach Brown there. Like he was in the mm-hmm. chat earlier today. He's like, can't wait. Um, you know, that's going to be an interesting game. We want that to be a rivalry, the Carolina Rumble. Uh, we want that to be game two of a three-game series between those teams this year. We want that. Also, West Texas, big win on the road. Now, can you finally get the home W this week? Big task with the Jacksonville coming to visiting. That's going to be an interesting, interesting storyline to follow. We will have a player from West Texas join us this week uh, talking about the season. We're, we're talking to a couple players. We'll announce that earlier um, for them. We're just It's basically a West Texas-themed show. But, of course, it's the game of the week. we got to you know, put the team who's playing against them. But it's focused on the West Texas this week. Also, Orlando, you have some bright spots. Clean up some work. you got Jonathan Bain coming in. He's going to help a lot. That guy is third all-time in NAL passing uh, yards. He is second all-time in touchdown, passing touchdowns. So you're not going to get a, a quarterback that is not experienced. He's a 10-year vet. He's going to lead you the right way. And if Bain's playing like Carolina Bain from last year, you're going to turn your season around. And right now, if you're at Orlando, your goal is trying to get to 500 as fast as possible. That may be the number to get into the postseason is that 500 number at 6-6. Six and six. They play 12 games, yeah. 6-6 six and six this year for Orlando. Um, and overall, in Jacksonville, like my, my team, my home team, I've talked to the players. I was chilling with them. I don't need a pep talk. More likely, I need Justin Renfro to bring with me, bring him bring me with him to all of his places. He go cooks at. Um, boy, just goes everywhere. Every road game, he goes to some restaurant. Him and David Gilbert spoiled because they do go to some fine establishments. I want to join them. Uh, but for Jacksonville's sake, going out west, Odessa road trip, continue the road trip swing. So yes, but yeah, that was week eight in the nutshell. Um, fans, you got any questions, suggestions, observations? Let us know. Uh, we got about eh, now five more minutes here, and we'll wrap up rebound and get you guys. Uh, I don't know. It's ten o'clock, ten o'clock in the East Coast, so um, seven o'clock your time, isn't it, Zach? Uh, yeah, it's about seven here. So not a big deal. Um, any questions, fans? Put them through right now. Also, Zach, any words? Uh, you know, I I do think that you know I want to see coming this week when we talk about preparing for Week Nine. Um, you know, much to your discussion with, you know, Orlando in particular and San Antonio, you know, who's going to be able to kind of shake off what they got and kind of prepare themselves to hit the turf right away. That That's the simple fact yeah. of the matter. You know, Jonathan Bain's going to come in, you know, a little bit all over the place at this point this season, but, you know, he'll have his best possible complete roster that he is going to be playing actual football under that he's had all season. I'm not, not, that's not saying San Antonio wasn't, it's just, he was, he didn't hit the turf with these guys. We never saw him play with these guys. Um, so he'll get to do that for the first time this time around. I did laugh at that comment, <laughs> by the way, from Skyward. That was good. <laughs> I, I find that one funny. Uh, but I, I think that that one has my interest. Um, I do find the West Texas and Jacksonville matchup this week to be 
very much just, I want to see Mitch kids development. That's the only thing I'm kind of focusing on seeing what they keep kind of building up towards to say least and to see how the West Texas community keeps growing. Cause again, they're also going through a few changes, even mid season right now that they've been working on too, and trying to kind of build their base up and build up their support that they've been kind of growing. So I've uh, been very pleased with that this year. Uh, so that's about all I got. I don't know much beyond that. Um, I mean, we're going to definitely be evaluating like the top three in the league in terms of just who stands out Jacksonville and Carolina matchups. I'm very much excited to see coming later this season. Those are very, those are must see games. I'm pinning on the roster. Um, Carolina's rematch with San Antonio. I am very much pinning on, on my roster games. I can't wait for so absolutely now let's jump into questions because you got one up and i've been seeing a few kind of dive in uh is a player coach allowed in the nal um well i mean yes they are because the cobras did have one in particular last year and mike, mike, green. mike green uh and honestly uh Jer- jeremy richardson was planning at one point of doing two two way uh the last year i believe it was that he was doing or two years ago whichever one was his uh his first year as a head coach, he, the rumor was he was debating on doing it on playing with the empire and coaching. Um, but it is allowed, uh, it's allowed as a coach. I don't know as a head coach, but honestly, at this level, (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked if it is allowed. I mean, again, if you're able to do coordinators, I mean, I don't see what the problem is with doing a head coach wise, not to mention if you're worried about GM duties, the empire do technically have a GM in their office. So he can do it. Um, it's just going to be very tough. That's the thing you're going to have, you're going to have to rely on a lot of guys that are basically your, your coordinator is going to have to do a lot more is what I would have to put it. If you're out on defense, like he is playing, um, half times. I mean, if anything, I guess you get a guy that's on the turf a little more in the weeds. So he kind of knows what's going on, but that's a tough, that's a tough draw, but yeah. And there's of course, Ralph on here. Yeah. And he, he has it cause he knows cause he was in conversations with an individual that knows today or yesterday, I think. Um, also Skylar put a question here. Um, it's, it's more of being, I think an arrogant fan was the biggest weakness. Now that quarterback has been solved and the defense is growing to a team that, that we thought we were, um, for Jacksonville's biggest weakness, I think their biggest weakness is their themselves. They have they have a defense, they have an offense, they have special teams, they have a quarterback. Their biggest weakness is themselves. They need to get over themselves. Like right now, they literally are a team that they can outscore anybody they play. It's like Jacksonville from last year, where you had to outscore them because you weren't going to stop Jacksonville. And Jacksonville wasn't going to stop you because uh, they their defense didn't do it. This year, I think Jacksonville is a type of team where if they are not playing 100% and they're killing themselves with penalties, that's the, their weakness is, you know, just bad play. And also, you know, kick coverage. Well, honestly, the whole league doesn't do good on kick coverages right now. Um that's the the joys of the Nets because that's what the Nets are supposed to do is um, excel and promote the kick returning 
side of things of, of the league. So, yeah, so that's really – I almost said coaches talk right there about uh, our biggest weakness is ourselves, but kind of that is for every team is that's your biggest weakness. Um, hitting the deuce every kick is pretty hard, but we have a kicker that can do it. He almost did in Albany last year. Uh, I yep. think he had like four deuces, and there were four in a row. And, of course, yeah, we had a couple of those uh, bar balls. Uh, this past week, uh, all around the league, uh, that that's crazy too, because you don't have no idea where the bar the ball go once it hits the thing thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's intriguing. Um, of course, I see Ralph drop. Is that the rule book itself? Yeah, twenty twenty rules. Yeah, that's where you can find the rule right here. Thanks you to Ralph. Um, so he, he's he's. He's taking out the rule book for the information. Um, but yeah, overall, it's for me personally, the game itself, especially for kick coverage, is so unique now that if your kicker doesn't hit a deuce, you're going to have to, you know, already assume the opposing team is going to start on the 20 yard line based on how they return the, um, kickback because of the nets, how it bounces off the nets, uh, or if a kicker can get it to the nets. Most of the kickers now are like kicking it in between the net and the wall, so there's no return. Uh, I think that's become a strategy for a lot of these kickers, so we'll see. Um, No, the record has not been broken, and the record is four, and that was set by, I think, I may have it wrong, I think it's tied between uh, Drew Pearson and Marco Orozco. They both hit four. Uh, Drew Pearson did it at the Freeman, while Marco, I think, did it at MVP. Um, I think either that or he did it down in Orlando. Uh, but those are the two kickers that have the record. I think they're both tied. Ralph may come in here and comment about that, actually, because I think we talked about that pretty, or, or a couple of days ago, about who has the record uh, for deuces in the game. So I, I think it's Roscoe and Drew Pearson with four that tie the record so um but yeah but do i think that the bro- record's going to be broken i think it could be broke it's only he almost did it this week like you get it there chances are being bro- broken are this is one for you I mean, it kind of is seeming that way to hit the scoreboard as a strategy because you don't get a return. You just get it set at the 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. You know, it basically just backs you up. When you see coaches talk to kickers and do this, point at the scoreboard, they're not looking, telling you to look at the score. They're telling you to kick the scoreboard. Well, I mean, it prevents a return. I mean, that's the thing. You you don't have, like if you have a Khalil Rashad or a Fabian Guerra or a Kendrick Ings back there and mm-hmm. you have a low scoreboard, no one can, I mean, unless you are unless you are hearing someone tell them on the opposite side of the field no one's gonna say that you know oh well he's he's avoiding it's like there's no rule huh. saying you can't do that so you know it, i mean it's a it's a boring strategy but it's a smart strategy if you want yeah. to put it that way <laughs> true but overall week eight's in the books halfway through the season my friend it's we usually kind of do a show every year about, you know, weekly, not weekly, but mid-year awards. 
so on, like who we think is this, this, and this. Little sneak peek. We'll do that next week, just for a couple of words, like who are who we think the Iron Man is, who yeah. we think is the offensive player, the defensive player. We're not going to do coaches. Um, we're just going to do the players. We'll do that next week um, as a little tidbit on some action about who we think are the certain awards um, of early in season. But overall. Sorry about yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Memorial Day weekend. Had time with family and friends. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, oh, and guess who? Um, will it be you, Coach? That's the question. <laughs> the sweet steak's not on it. Man, I, it, it would be nice, it'd be nice to see Rez join join up. But that's that's on his choice there. That's all I can. Only get, thing I know, it. only thing I know about Coach Rez is that he loves a hibachi grill up there because he brought the Cobras there every single week, and I think that's can, the only thing he can cares. Confirm, about. by the way, you. I think that'd confirm. be the only thing is that hibachi grill up in Albany. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think Coach Rez will touch anything Albany related. No. no. But it's good to see you, Coach. Like we miss you for you jumping on the show talking Cobras. <laughs> good to uh, catch you. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm not. We're not gonna put that other one. Up. <laughs> Almost all did. Right. Good. Yes, I Jamar. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. It just might be. I think that's the best way to end the show, right there. Yes. Chaos. <laughs> Controversy. Chaos. Like I always Chaos. say. Like I always say, every single year, what week are we gonna have complete chaos where we thought we everything is going one way and just gets all crammed in. To one, we had that last year where we thought it was separation week, and it turned out to be nope. We're just going to get a lot more chaotic in the middle. Uh, we might have that. Uh, we might have that. Thank you, Coach. Uh, but overall, week nine is coming up. <laughs> he knows. The- <laughs> I'm telling you, I went to the bocce. He was at. We had a great time for the championship game. Great, great time between between me, Josh, Rob Storm, Paulie Walnuts, John Kane, a bunch of the championship team for 2022. It was a, one of the best memories from last year I had was that and going to the championship. So, yeah, he he ain't wrong. That that was good hibachi. <laughs> and I would know because here's a little backstory that I went to a hibachi grill in Chicago, literally the week prior. And the one in Albany was better than the one in Chicago. I ain't even joking. <laughs> yeah, that was the best time of that weekend. <laughs> he, uh, he ain't wrong uh, either. No. He, he, the next day was a night to forget. <laughs> yeah, it was, say, it was a night to forget. Uh, well, but, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in to NAL Rebound Week 8 Edition. We'll catch you later this week for Week 9 previews on on NAL Game Day. Stay tuned. we got plenty more exciting action ahead and uh, plenty more wild rides, I imagine, ahead on the docket for the NAL season. Uh, catch you on the flip side. See you next episode, everybody. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Murnier.